0: Hi, and welcome to The Thriving Entrepreneur. She's Rochelle Learling.
1: He is David Foster.
0: And we both help founders and entrepreneurs with their businesses. So today we're talking about something that, well, probably every single founder and entrepreneur struggles with. And I like to think about this as the car salesman problem. Let's say that you're a car salesman, or maybe you're a car saleswoman or salesperson, depending on your linguistic proclivities. But regardless, let's say you are the best in your dealership. You sell minivans and four-wheel drives and subcompacts and even those fancy sport models that come with the fancy wheels and the little badges that tell everybody that you spent just a little bit more on your vehicle. You make the most sales, but also... Customers are very happy. You have a 4.2 Google review rating, which in car salesman land, salesperson or saleswoman land, is actually pretty good. Congratulations, says the ownership of the dealership. Now you get to be car sales manager. Because you could sell all those models, now you get to make people's schedules figure out vacation policy, interpret the health insurance. Oh, and by the way, those two people hate each other. You're going to have to fire one of them and hire somebody else. And therein, for me at least, lies the weakness of Western capitalism. You do well at something, great. Now you're going to have to manage a business that does that thing, even though they're two particularly different skills. Or, as Rochelle describes it, you are outside your zone of genius.
1: That was a way, way quicker way of saying this. I <laughs> love, the, love the story here. So true. As you said, like, you love what you're doing. You're great at it. And then you get pulled out of that work since the business is growing. Yet, um, I think, and we'll discuss this later, it might be dangerous for you to be out of your zone of genius and not be doing your best work because of whatever's is mm-hmm. demanded of you in that day-to-day. Um, because being in your zone of genius as the owner, as the founder, um, as the entrepreneur, has a massive positive effect on your business as well. And today we want to be talking about what that zone of genius is, but also what the upsides of being in that zone of genius and staying in that zone of genius is while the business is growing.
0: Agreed. Definitely agreed. And I like to call the zone of genius... What Jonathan Stark describes is your unfair advantage. Mm-hmm. Everybody has an unfair advantage. You're good at something relative, relative to somebody else. Maybe you sell cars, maybe you develop software, whatever it is. And this means in some ways that other people have an unfair advantage over you when it comes to other things. And so when we think about the zone of genius correction, when I think about the zone of genius, I think you've got a room full of people and each one of them has a different unfair advantage or a different specialty.
1: I would agree with that and it's something that you excel at, something that you do so greatly, but also in combination with that, that you love to do. It should not just be something that you're great at, but that you are doing as if it's your passion, because that means that you do it easily and that it gets done and that's your USP as you said as well. Um, It's something that makes you different and that adds value with being different in that group or in that team or in that project.
0: Yeah, and those are the lucky ones, the ones who are simultaneously good at something and they enjoy it.
1: Exactly, and it's probably also the reason why you started your business in the first place. I mean, let's take an example of, let's say a designer who's great at design um that hires people to take over design work which is great if you want to grow but if you no longer do what you're great at which is designing then you might up maybe not wanting to be in that business anymore um because that was your magic that was something that lit you up and that's probably why you started the business in the first place
0: and that kind of points to actually what is a huge theme in a lot of my work is that What got you forward is your skill, and that skill is not the same thing that you're going to need to run a business. And I think there's two ways to look at that. One is, well, let's call it Rochelle's positive way, which is stay in your zone of genius, stay with what you're good with. And the negative is, if you're going to run a business, you're going to need more skills. You're going to need more knowledge, you're gonna need more experience doing something other than that. And how do, you, how do you balance that, right? Especially, I think that the startup culture does us no favors that if you can come up with a good invention, you must be able to run a multi-million dollar business. And those are two very, very completely different things. You can get involved, take your designer example, you can help designers, you can actually do some design yourself, but if you're going to quote-unquote run the business and you've got employees and clients and growth and strategy and investors and all those sorts of things, who's going to pay attention to that?
1: Exactly. So as you say, basically your your role changes completely from, as you say, being in certain skill sets, using that skill set to earn money, towards managing a company, managing a team, and all the problems that come with that, and kind of forgetting about how, why you started, because that's it, that's the danger. And it can also be a good thing for many, that people just really love being that manager and are really great at that, um, and don't really care about how they started out, because maybe they were part of a designer team or developer team to get something off the ground, but now they actually enjoy you know, the next uh, phase. but There's also a danger in forgetting about what you do best and just being in everything, being a generalist. Because probably what makes your business different to competitors, to clients, is that one thing that you are really great at. And on the one hand, you can definitely um, educate others to do that work as well. And obviously not saying that's the wrong thing. But somehow, how you did that was a USP to the company that made different, that made it flow. And um, it's something to keep in mind in that change, in that transition.
0: Transition. In my mind, that's the biggest piece that's often missing when somebody is growing a business. Now, if you're a designer, if you're some sort of solopreneur and you start to get more and more work, yes, there are things that you can hire out Uh, accounting, right? Sometimes there's uh, marketing or advertising or things like that that you can spend less of your time on so you can spend more of your time on the things that you're actually good at. But when you start to hire, who's going to manage those people? And in some ways, you have a choice. You can hire people who can help manage, right? You can be the head designer of your firm and somebody else is president and CEO to help manage that or the other option is you can learn right leadership is learnable managing is learnable there are places and people who can help guide you make that transition but if you don't make that transition and you do decide to make decisions because you're a good designer so you you know how to pick fonts and colors and proportion things in layouts so then you must know how to pick vacation parking policy you know that kind of thing that's a that's a really difficult place to be in and it often very doesn't it doesn't work out very well
1: or there could be also be a different kind of transition in which You're very aware of, on the one hand, needing to grow and needing people in your team as a accountant, um, all sorts of other things that you haven't thought of and that you need right now, versus staying in that zone of genius only. And I think there's also a way that you can grow and, and learn how to manage a team and grow a company while still doing what you're best at. For instance, only being involved with the biggest projects or only being involved in the start of the project so that you can actually manage
0: both. Yeah, you're bringing up a good point because being able to manage a project or even influence it is very, very different than doing it yourself, especially when you get to technical innovation. If you're a data scientist who has come up with something really interesting or unique or figured out a purpose for a certain technology, it's very, very different come up with that as it is to help people along with that, or to figure out how to magnify your, the work that you've done. And that's where I think getting help makes a tremendous amount of sense. And this is a conversation I have had multiple times just this week, because people find themselves in that position where I, I've, I've done this great thing, but now I can't organize or influence other people to help me do this great thing or to add some sort of like volume or, or momentum to it. And I'm quite interested on in your take of how you help somebody make that transition or how you keep them involved in what they're good at at the same time when they own and somewhat manage the business.
1: Yeah, it's, it's super... Um gray it's a gray area whereas it's not like you transition from being that head skilled person towards being a manager the business doesn't grow like that either i think it starts with outsourcing and delegating everything that has nothing to do with your best skill as a first step obviously so you can get the help so you can do that skill better but then the second phase after that is wait i cannot manage this by myself anymore i need people like myself i need to educate others to do this work too and thus almost outsource my skill um, I think that's the most important thing to keep in mind. But then after that, you can go back as the entrepreneur and say, listen, I still need to like this business because I need to you know, keep this as a sustainable thing for myself and for the business growth as well. If I don't like being in that manager role only, um, I could probably get some satisfaction from helping out with that skill I once used to work on 100%. I think that comes last, but I do think it's really important because, as I said, I think the owner should be satisfied, should be um, passionate about what he or she does. Um, And I think that also does a lot to the company culture, to the client, and just making sure that the business grows in the right direction. So I think it starts with outsourcing and delegating, but then coming back and circling back to how does it align with me and what I want in order to, to be happy with this business too.
0: Let's take delegating for an example. Mm-hmm. If you're a highly skilled fill in the blank, whatever it is, and you want to be able to double that thing that you do and you hire somebody who can do something similar, I think having some level of awareness that delegating is its own separate skill and learning about how to delegate will make that more successful. Right. You're a coder, you're writing code. My God, I can't get through this by the time the deadline is. I'm going to hire somebody who in some ways has similar skills, similar unfair advantage. This is what I, this is what I want to have happen and just merely telling somebody isn't enough. And there's that old adage of like, communicate, communicate, communicate. Oh, and then when you think that's done, communicate again. Because making that clear between you and the other person, that's a skill. Mm -hmm. And people can help you with that skill, you can read about it, you can ask for feedback, but it's not a plug and play solution and you get into that realm of expectation. You're a senior engineer, you're a 20-year designer, you're a graduate of this dental school. I'm making the assumption that you should be able to do these things and that you would know that you would do them the way that I expect. And so asking yourself what your expectations are and asking for feedback about what that communication is that you sent over, is a is a valuable first step, I think. And having, (laughs) here we go, podcast, whatever number it is that we mentioned the ego and humility, having the humility to understand that, at the very least, message sent doesn't necessarily mean message received, is an incredibly valuable thing. It's an incredibly valuable thing. And I almost feel like I just want to start going through our list about like what people can do to make this transition or at least go through this process with some awareness of what will help them.
1: Yeah. I would say go ahead.
0: Curiosity, humility, and detachment would be the first thing that I would say. Curiosity is really about wondering if the process works well and not having the expectation that if I say, can you make this layout, can you write this code, can you make this app do this, that it's gonna happen in a way that you think it's going to. And being curious about that instead of judgmental puts you far ahead of a lot of mistakes that could, that could really sink you.
1: So basically having the expectation that people won't do as you would do Um, not having high expectations of the first round of work, but also not of the communication that you gave. So over-communicating won't do it. Um, But I also think it's important that as you start to delegate or outsource, that you know this is part of your new role. Like it will never be the same because we just talked about the zone of genius and, and stepping out of that in order to grow the business. You will never be just doing that work And you would need to kind of comfort yourself in this new position where you get to do the tedious stuff to get people to do the work that you once did, right? Um, Where you know best doesn't mean that they understand best. So I think it takes months, sometimes even years, to get people to understand exactly what you mean with the right, let's say, company DNA.
0: That it will never be the same again is an excellent way to put it, and I am going to steal that from my next call after we're done recording. <laughs> that, is, that is excellent. When you hire somebody, yes, that changes everything. Yeah. The, the other thing is that idea of you know best. And when we think about the unfair advantage, maybe there's a sliver, if we're lucky, that we actually know better. I hate to say best, mm-hmm. but that we actually know better. And if you're hiring correctly, the other people that you hire actually know better than you in their particular silo, say. Mm -hmm. Having the assumption that you know best is a very, very dangerous one. If I hire, even, even if I'm a solopreneur and I hire an accountant, this is the way I want this to happen, I, I know how I look at my numbers, I know what I want to see. if that accountant is experienced and has an unfair advantage at accounting, you have to be you have to be humble and you have to be curious and you have to be willing to listen to that accountant, that person to say, "What about looking at it this way? Let me show you this let me explain and that's a hard position for a lot of people when they are the quote-unquote boss or the owner or the one that invented the thing that makes the business run to hear uh, an alternative version of what might be best
1: yeah and just to circle back to that point about knowing best I I was referring to um, when you outsource the exact work that you do like that zone of genius skill but it Indeed, it's different when it's something that you aren't great at and that you need help with anyway. Um, but yes, um, you need to be humble. I think that's, that's the bottom line. But also understanding that people are people and it's mm-hmm. human work in the end.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if we get frustrated um, by having other people help us out very quickly, I think things can go downhill from there very, very easily. And it will it will become everything that we ever talked about um, from frustration to burnout to all that. But I think that in order for you to develop these skills and to be able to delegate well, um, even parts of your zone of genius, you need to be very, very patient.
0: Patient. And what do you think or what do you see frustrates people the most? Where does that frustration come from?
1: I would say from when you are in that zone of genius and you transfer that zone of genius work to somebody else, in that sense, you do know best often because the first hire is never a senior C level person, that they don't either understand it as well or that they don't feel the grit as much as you do, like you care more than they do, but that's always the case with entrepreneurs and employees.
0: So that's a very interesting take on it because at least in my conversations with the the companies that I work with, when a company is growing, in some ways there's two ways to hire. One is as a replacement, and the other is something that's additive or someone who is additive. Mm -hmm. So yes, if, if you're working by yourself, as an example, and you need to hire something out because you can actually make more money by not doing it and you need some help, that is almost a replacement. Yeah. And again, if that person has an unfair advantage or a zone of genius in that, you should be willing to listen. But if you hire somebody who's additive, you can actually still, in the very beginning stages, stay in that zone of genius, but somebody else is doing something that helps accelerate it. And that, in the very beginning at least, that misses the idea of, well, this person isn't doing the quote unquote right thing or the way that's that they right. would do that's it. That's right, that's very correct, right?
1: yeah, yeah.
0: And that sort of leads me to my second point about you know, what to do, and that's developing some way even if it's an internal model to evaluate people's different specializations and capacities in their zone of genius and how that works together as a team. And yes, process and job descriptions matter and this is one way that it, that it does matter. If you, get, if you get a way to be able to measure what somebody is good at, again, even if it's only internal, I'm not talking about testing them regularly, then you look at how that team works and what they're actually supposed to do and see how well that matches up. And you want to stay in the things that you truly enjoy, but there's another side piece that we can talk about if you're the best car salesperson and you get thrust into the roles and responsibilities of a manager, how do you know that you don't enjoy that if you've never been taught, if you don't have a mentor in that area, if you don't have guidance, you might actually like it. Or there may be pieces that you actually like. And so if you own your own business and you start to hire people, there's a tremendous amount of satisfaction that comes out of, leading them and coordinating them and getting a a common goal achieved and that is something that you should embrace that you know i don't i don't know about this where can i get help what can i read who can i talk to who can i use as a mentor to be able to help guide this team because nobody comes out of the box a born leader yeah everyone has to learn it and as i have said to my kids annoyingly over and over again how do you learn something if you don't first admit that you don't know it
1: that's well said no indeed you're right that you have no idea if you like it don't like it or know what to do with it unless you kind of identify that and get help with the things that you are new to and um in that sense, the things that you might not understand yet or are not great at can actually become your zone of genius, too, once you figure out how it works and that you actually get a hang of it. Um, just a side note about zone of genius, uh, the word I've been using a lot, but there's also a thing called zone of excellence. And if you put these two together, zone of genius and excellence, excellence is where you excel at, that you're great at, but don't really enjoy, can still be draining, versus genius where you actually really love the work itself. So. I guess in that sense that the unknown parts of leadership when you start to delegate and and hire a team can become zones of excellence too, or even geniuses.
0: And I think we're kind of touching on, you know, Carol Dweck's famous book, Mindset, where if you have a growth mindset, obviously that means you have to admit that there are some things you don't know or you can't grow. But if you have a growth mindset, then you actually have this great opportunity. You're looking towards leadership, management, strategic thinking as something that you can embrace and learn and really get the the people around you will give you the feedback. You know, hey boss, that's a really terrible idea and let me explain why. And if you are humble enough to listen and you're curious enough to be able to say, well, what would be a better way to do it? How do I combine what my unfair advantage is with what this person's unfair advantage is? And we get the whole group further. That's a really good recipe for success. Really, really good recipe for success. Mm -hmm. And so having that growth mindset, I think is really important.
1: I'm just thinking, this is a completely different question, but Let's say that let's go for okay. it. Okay. What if you, you start to hire, right? You, you've been a one man show, two men or two women show. Um, mm-hmm. you've been doing great work with your clients. You have to scale up, get some people on board, etc. Thus you step out of that zone of genius more because you start to be a manager. As we just talked about leadership, all that stuff. There might be a moment in time where you have learned the skills of being a leader. Um, you're, you're pretty okay at it, maybe even good at it, but something is missing because you're no longer doing that sort of genius work. What would you say to that? Would you say, take something of that back, like put that into your workday again, or would you say that's just not part of growing a business? So business, business is growth's sake first, I'd say. I,
0: I fielded a version of that question many times. And my, my two responses have always been make the decision which is more important to you. Practicing that craft that was the kernel of what started the business or find somebody who can do the things that are necessary in the leadership and managing of the business to have that growth that you really, really want. Or, you know, maybe 2A would be decide not to grow. Yeah. Just be happy with what you have, you know, which is being happy with what you have is much more important than trying to impress the people around you with what you've you've grown. Not an easy decision, Mm -hmm. but a necessary one, I think, because you can't have both. And then about the first one, practice your craft. If you're a designer, a coder, if you've developed a product, that is a very difficult thing to keep doing over time without change. Now, if you're a, I don't know, a public speaker, you know, there's not a lot that's going to change there. But if you've developed a, you know, innovation in, in a medical product or pharma, that's not something that you can keep doing over time. It's almost a discrete event. And maybe you wanna to continue to research, fair enough. But it's not, like, it's not like that day that you invented something or you realized that you had, you can replicate for years. No. So I think that's how I would answer that question. And then the other thing that, that you're sort of bringing up is you're two-person <laughs> firm and you decide, well, we have to hire. And I would wanna almost like reel back, take half a step back and say, learn about leadership, management, coordination, process, job descriptions before you hire. Even if if the demand is pressing and even if you only spent a few days learning about that, and getting resources, you're going to be so much better off than if, oh, my God, the deadline's coming. We just need somebody. I just need bodies in here. <laughs> well, you know, the other interpretation of that is you could just get dead bodies and stack them in the office. You've got bodies. It, like, it, it's not necessarily going to help because just getting somebody in here. Sometimes produces more chaos than the benefit that they bring
1: So what you're basically saying is be wise about this be mature about this Don't just do this out of fear and just get somebody on board just for the sake of doing the work Um, And in the end it it, We want something to to be grown for a long term too as Is the team like the team should be something that we nurture that you know is sustainable that stays together that has a culture that has something that glues together and If you come from that mindset, it's just rather, let me just get a pair of hands, just get this done. But that can always happen, you know, once or twice and, you know, get an intern for that. Um, But yeah, interesting. Because going back to the question I asked you and the different answers you gave, it's almost a question of how important for you is it to, to really do something you love versus learn something new, get out of the comfort zone and even see if that is worth it to you. Because it can, become a thing of, do I want to grow? Do I want to plateau? Is it good enough for me just to stay small? But then it can also be survival. So it can also be something that you have to just get out of your comfort zone, just see what it's like to do leadership, uh, to be part of a team and to hire. And you can always delegate that whole thing, that whole management and hiring and leading to somebody else later.
0: Yes, yes. And there's a big difference between getting out of your comfort zone and going to a leadership course or reading the books or going to talk to somebody or hitting somebody up that you just think might have some advice about this and oh what the hell I'm just going to hire half a dozen people and see how it goes
1: <laughs>
0: and that is that the second piece is just a recipe for a disaster because i think that you know most most people who are new to leadership don't realize how big of a piece stepping aside is. The coach of a team rarely gets out on the field and, and plays. Mm-hmm. And that analogy is, you know, is quite straightforward. Yes, there are leaders on the field, but even those leaders on the field don't always do the thing that needs to be done at, at those particular moments. And so, when you're thinking about hiring, expanding, growing a team, building a team, you have to realize that the team is going to do the thing. And you are going to, in many ways, step aside. That doesn't mean team members aren't going to come to you and say, hey, what about this? Can I bend your ear about that? What's your opinion? And you have to make some incredibly difficult decisions sometimes. But you're not going to be the gladiator movie where you're actually fighting all the fights along with your troops.
1: And this kind of brings me back to the analogy of my business is my baby that <laughs> mm-hmm. we talked about last time. As the business is still small. It is a baby. It needs to be taken care of 24-7. It needs support, it needs nurturing, it needs all of this stuff to make sure it you know, goes in the right direction. But at some point, it becomes a teenager and they go their own way. And you know, you cannot influence them as much as you want. And you wish you were there all the time, but you cannot be. And so on and so on. So I think it, it really goes with that as well, that we have to learn to let go with business too.
0: And dear listener, Rochelle is using that exact example because my baby just turned 18 and she's going to university in a couple of months and mm-hmm. we're just hoping she calls every once in a while. <laughs> but you're, you're exactly right that I'm, I'm helping one person right now in particular put together a, a, a second business and then going back to the first with the idea that if, if they want to go on vacation for three weeks... They can just do that. They're building a team and they're stepping aside so that it continues on. And he's very, he's becoming very satisfied with his role because there are particular skills involved and he can sort of be not only the leader but also the the voice of experience to be able to talk to some of the other people and say, hey, what about this? This This is what I see, this is where it can go but he's also got to learn. This person might have a different idea, and that idea might actually work in a way that I'm not particularly familiar with, and that might be better. And, and this person is actually you know, in the fight, so to speak, and I'm drawing on experience, which could be valuable. Mm-hmm. Probably is really valuable, but it's yeah. very valuable in Cooperation with what this other person knows and lives every day.
1: Right. And that can also be very satisfactionary. Like it it can be fun to be in that role too.
0: Yes. Yes. And then I think the last thing I would say about what to do is this idea of measuring growth and satisfaction. I think it's really important and I realize I'm sort of crossing the line a little bit and getting into your area, but I think it's really important to say, okay, you can do all this work, but let's keep track of how happy you are, how satisfied you are, how fulfilling all this is. If you're doing $10 million a year this year, you may not actually be happier doing 20 next year. Maybe you will, or maybe you want to move the business to a different place. I'm not saying that it's necessarily not A happier place but keep track of that don't let the external validation opinions other people's goals and aspirations define what's important to you
1: well said no that's that's exactly the the friction I feel with this topic that on the one hand we want to be doing what we're great at and we know we're great at at the beginning of a business probably most probably but then we might end up getting a little bit confused with what we're really great at because we are learning new stuff and it, it doesn't feel as at home as the things we used to do. But we should be open to that new role. And mm-hmm. I think there's, there's a combination, as we just said, there's a combination to be made between leadership and, and staying in your zone of genius or finding a new zone of genius, and that's all good. But yeah, in the end, um, there's, there's an argument for growing the business as, as fast and as hard as it can to its maximum potential. But if you are really, really, really miserable in that new position, uh, you're not passionate about your business anymore, I think we should also talk. And it also has to do with zone of genius and you know, seeing what, what aligns with you. For me, bottom line of this conversation is also that we should be willing to understand that we have to let go as the business continues to move on, to grow and to mature. And not holding on to the only thing that we know and still find joy in that new place and understand that this is part of business growth.
0: Completely agree. And I would add to that, you have to let go of certain things and then take hold of others. So it's not like letting go, you're just sending it out into the wind for whatever happens. But it's letting go of that thing that you used to do a certain way And then holding on or taking hold of the team and the direction and the strategy and your position as leader that's very different and I think to your point I really want to emphasize if anybody takes anything away from this it's that when you're in this position in a small business as a founder and entrepreneur the best thing in the world you can do is realize that there's a transition in your role. There's no way there isn't a transition in your role unless you just stay by yourself. Again, not a bad thing. If that's what makes you happy, if that's what works, keep on doing it. The world needs more happy people and fewer people who are really pissed off. But if you hire, if you wanna grow, if you want to go into a different area, the best thing you can do for yourself is realize that there's transition.
1: I have nothing more to add, amen.
0: (laughs) And I just want to take one more opportunity to say curiosity, humility, and detachment. Use that and go find your way through the transition. Being prepared is much better than reacting.
1: Yeah, okay, and then as a last add, I would say in that transition where you are, it doesn't matter, but understand what your zone of genius is, even if that is changing too, because that is what makes the difference for you and your business. That's where the magic lays. That's probably where you win. That's probably where you feel best and that your company thrives at. So stay on top of knowing what that is and, and keep on discovering that even as you transition in your role.
0: Great point. I think we're around the bend on this. I think so too. We appreciate everybody listening. We appreciate the comments, the emails, and the suggestions for topics. And we will talk to you again in two weeks.
1: Thank you for listening. If you're an accomplished founder in a leadership position and want experience, guidance, and support, contact David on davidafoster.com.
0: And if you're an entrepreneur with a team who wants to be more in control of your business and your life and want to explore coaching, contact Rochelle on growtribute.com.
1: You can find links to contact us in the show notes of every episode. We appreciate your listening.